0: Our theme is 2020, seeing clearly, uh, because it's our desire that all of us this year would really see clearly, meaning fully understand what God's purpose is for our life. What's our mission is another word that we uh, have been using interchangeably with the word purpose. And To that end, we've begun this year, and we're in our our 21 days of fasting and prayer. And we were talking last week about the recognition that we all have a purpose. We all have a mission. The Bible teaches us that we are all saved to do the work that God prepared in advance for us to do. So we all have a mission, we all have a purpose, and this is the year that we want to clearly understand that, what that purpose is, so that we can give ourselves toward that goal and achieving that purpose. And we talked last week that just as important as it is to know what our mission is, it's equally important that we also know how to accomplish that mission. And... We were looking at the fact that we we all operate within the fabric of what we all call what we call core values. Whether we recognize it or not, we all have these things called core values. They are uh, the guiding principles. You see it coming up on the screen by definition. It's a guiding principle that forms the foundation on which we work or conduct ourselves. In other words, you can think of a core value as uh, the values that define how you live your life. They they are the the instinctive things that are important to you that help govern what you say, what you do, how you conduct yourself. And at Belmont, our mission is to help people find direction. That's why our tagline is Finding Direction Together. We exist to help people find, discover spiritual direction for their life. That's our mission. And because none of us has fully arrived in that, we are looking to do that together as a community. Would you say amen to that? Right. And so what we recognized is we know what our mission is as a church, but now how do we accomplish that mission? How are we to conduct ourselves? What are we to do? What's the framework, the core values that shape how we accomplish our mission? And if you look on our website, we have three core values. We talked about them last week. I'll mention them. There is the cultivation of God's glory. There's the cultivation of love and the cultivation of maturity. And we are embarked last week on this uh, three-week series on talking about that because we want to launch this new New Year seeing clearly, but we want to recognize, okay, what does God want me to accomplish this year, and now how d- uh, does God want me to accomplish that? What's what's the core values that are going to help shape how I speak, how I conduct myself? And last week, we covered the first and most important one, which is the cultivation of God's glory. Now, the word cultivate means to promote and develop the growth of. In other words, we are here, and everything that we want to accomplish is for the purpose of promoting, developing God being glorified. And by glorify, the word glorified means to give high honor and praise to. And so everything that we strive to do at Belmont is for the specific purpose of God being glorified. In other words, we we we're not looking to honor or praise any individual or any organization. We're not here to lift up the pastor. I'm no no special being. Uh, I'm not unique. My wife will bear witness to that. Uh, I'm just as sinful as you are, probably a little bit more than that. Uh, And so I never want anybody to elevate me and put me on a pedestal. I don't want anybody to ever put this church on a pedestal. We're 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 a church like any other church. We seek to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one name that we lift up here. That's the name of Jesus Christ. So, now we saw last week that God created everything for His glory. Everything that exists was created by God so that He would receive honor and praise. And so we, even as Christians, our existence is for one purpose. It is not to be happy. We don't exist for God to bless us. and or should I, Let me put it another way. God doesn't exist to bless us. We exist to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Now, today, we are going to look at the second uh, of our core values, which is the cultivation of love. So for that, I want to launch us off. I want to look at the, uh, the gospel of John in chapter 13. A lot of the verses we're going to be reading today are quite familiar, but I pray and trust that the Holy Spirit will make it fresh and new to all of our hearts. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove, everybody say prove, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love one another as I have loved you. This is the, the new command that Jesus gave his disciples, his followers. I want you to love one another but now here's the condition, here's the goal, this is what you strive for. I want you to love each other the way I have loved you because that's going to be the identifying mark. That's what's going to separate you from all the world and everybody else. That's what's going to identify people uh, you as the people of God, followers of Jesus Christ. The church, God's people, Christians, would be a community never seen before. In other words, in the times when the Lord walked this earth, the Jews were se- separated themselves from all other uh, nationalities and all other cultures. And even within the fabric of cultures, everybody was segregated and separated. And so the church was something that was going to be unique in that time in that it would be made up of a group of people from different cultures, different races, that would become one family bound by love. And Jesus said, that's how the world will know that you belong to me. Now this commandment to love one another was reinforced later on by the apostle Peter, and the apostle paul peter wrote this in 1st peter chapter 4 verse 8 most important of all continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins Amen. and then the apostle paul wrote in 1st corinthians chapter 16 verse 14 and do everything come on say everything with me and do everything with what love So Peter's saying, most important, meaning, hey guys, this is a top priority. This is something that is critical for you as the people of God. You have to demonstrate deep love for one another. And Paul said, you got to do everything with love. Now, I think it's important that we pause here and make sure we all are on the same page in that when the Lord was talking about loving one another, this was not some fuzzy, warm-feeling type of love that Jesus was talking about. No. Jesus was not talking about everybody walking around with little uh, flowers and, you know, we're all, we're all feeling good and, and all that kind of good stuff. The love that Jesus was talking about is defined this way. Listen, it's a genuine desire and interest in the well-being of another. Now, what that means is this, is that love that Jesus was describing would identify his followers is not self-centered. I don't love you because it makes me feel good. My love, if I, if I profess to love, it's not about me. It's because I'm interested in you. I, I'm concerned about you. I care about you and your well-being. And because of that, I take actions to ensure that. And at, at, here at, at Belmont, this is a core value because we want to create an atmosphere where everyone, come on, say everyone with me. Yeah. Everyone, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of what nationality they are, regardless of where they are on their spiritual journey, uh, we want everyone to feel welcomed here. We want everyone to feel that they matter. We want everyone to be loved, to feel like they've come home. I was talking with someone right before the service who were visiting their loved ones, For the holiday season, and they say, you know, it's it's so great to get together with family. And I mean, no, when your when your family is not local, when you get a chance to get together with them, it's always great. Why? Because you love one another, and you miss being with each other, right? Well, most most of us do. (laughs) I love when I was able to get away for Christmas and go down to Florida and visit my mom and see the rest of my brothers uh, and just spend time with them because I love them. It ought to be that way in the house of God yeah. that we gather together here and we love being with one another. We, we love each other's company, in other words. That's what we strive to create, that atmosphere where people can come in these doors and say they feel Loved, you see. Now, let me talk to you about why I believe the Lord gave this command. Which means, by the way, that it's not an option to love one another. Listen to what First John chapter 4, verse 16 says. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So notice this verse clearly identifies that God is love. The, the very essence of God's being is love. That's why we have, obviously uh, John 3:16, which is kind of like uh, the, the foundation uh, verse for the church, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who would ever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. God is love. It is the very essence of his being. And notice, when we love one another, then we live in God, and God lives in us, meaning we get to experience the very presence of God. Love, by the way, also affirms that we are born again. Now, let me take a moment just to uh, explain what that phrase means being born again. Being born again means that you have made a decision to embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have recognized I'm a sinful person, I've broken God's commandment, and I am hopeless without a Savior. I need someone to save me from my sins. And so through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, we can receive forgiveness of sin. But that's a choice. You have to embrace Christ as your Savior. You have to surrender your heart to him and invite him to come in. And when we do that, the Bible teaches us that we are now born again. We're born of the Spirit. And so love is what affirms or confirms that we are truly born again. Let's look at some verses. In 1 John, in chapter 3, verse 14, it says this. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to light. But a person who has no love is still dead. This is talking spiritually. A person who has no love is still dead spiritually. In the same chapter in the 18th verse, dear children, let's not merely... Uh, say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions, listen, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. One more in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, here it goes, anyone, who loves, is a child of God, and knows God. So now, notice, the first one teaches us that if we love one another, we, it proves that we are, in fact, children of God. Why? Because God is love. And if we don't love one another, It does not matter what we might profess with our mouth, oh, I'm a Christian, I love God, and that's all that matters. No, the Bible says if you don't love your brothers and sisters, then you are still dead. In other words, when we have surrendered our heart to Jesus, if that is true and genuine, something has to transpire in our hearts. There has to be a spiritual awakening that you recognize Christianity is all about glorifying God with my life and how I do that, or one of the ways of how I do that is I've got to love people. I've got to love my brothers and sisters. We didn't read it, but in in that same chapter, John says this, if you claim to love God, but you don't love your brothers and sisters, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Those are some heavy-duty words, aren't they? But it's not my saying, that's the Bible saying that. In other words, the proof that you and I are truly Christians, born again, is that we love one another. And not only that, John he, he, he understands our human nature and how slick we can be. John goes on to say, don't merely say you love everybody, let your actions show it. In other words, it's not enough to say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. You've got to show it. There's got to be some kind of deeds in your life that demonstrate that you love people. Because when we love people, then the Bible says we truly know God. Why? Because God is love. So now, how we fulfill our mission our purpose, is so crucial because we've got to have love as an integral part of everything that we do. Conversely, action without love is worthless. Again, not my words, God's words. In 1 Corinthians, I'm going to turn there in chapter 13, Let's look at the first seven verses there. Listen, if I could speak all the languages on earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be what? Nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Let me just pause there for a moment, and then we'll read the rest. So the Apostle Paul is laying it out so clear for us, isn't he? He said, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you can move mountains with your faith. I don't care if you can prophesy. That doesn't impress me. Because you could do all of those things. You could even sacrifice your life. But if you didn't do it because of love, it's worthless. You didn't gain anything. In other words, you, you can't fulfill your mission in truth without love. God is not interested at, well, but I, I work faithfully with Pastor Joey. You should see how we work every Thursday, every Friday with young people. You know, they're not the easiest work. With. That's all wonderful and nice. But the Bible says if you don't love the youth that you're working with, it's all worthless. God is not interested in you just doing things and going through the motions. God wants to make sure that how you fulfill his purpose is through the vehicle called love. We don't usher because we have to. If you do that, you wasted wasting your time. You got these precious men that are out there. Uh, when, you, when you drove in your car today, did you see men out there helping people park their car in the cold? I thank God for all of them. But listen, if they did that simply because they feel that I got to do something in church, but they're not doing it out of love, they're froze for nothing. It's the truth. Come on. Everything we do, ladies, you work in the nursery and you're, you're, you're holding little Josie the day that she comes. Oh, this is great. I'm holding Pastor Joey's daughter. It means nothing unless you love Pastor Joey's daughter. Whatever we do has to have as its foundation love. Now let's finish in verse 4. Let's let's look at this kind of love that we're talking about. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. That means when you're not patient with me, you don't love me. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Let me read that to my wife. Love (laughs) is patient and kind. (laughs) Maybe I'll bring the lecture right here. (laughs) Just stay here. Love is not jealous. Listen, love is not jealous or boastful or proud, verse 5, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Can we stay on that one for a while? You ever get irritated? I won't look up. I won't ask you to raise your hand. (laughs) But sometimes you can get irritated with people in church. Yeah. Somebody got irritated once with me because I sat in their seat. This is a true story. I, I shifted from sitting there, and I sat in their seat. I won't show, tell you where it was, but I sat in their seat, and they actually came to me before the service and said, excuse me, Pastor, you're in my seat. <laughs> and if you know me, you know I looked at her and said, not today it isn't. <laughs> and she walked away irritated with me. This is a true story. Oh, okay, let me go back to my wife. (laughs) And he keeps no record of being (laughs) wronged. I'm getting getting the word. Move on. (laughs) Verse 6, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every. Come on, say every, every circumstance. So, in the context of the atmosphere of church, the Apostle Paul is saying all of these issues that are going on in church, all these attitudes that just demonstrates love is not in the house because love doesn't get irritated. Love understands I need to be patient with people. Everybody's on this journey. We're all on this journey together, and every one of us has faults. Every one of us is imperfect in one way or another. And so in the house of God, if we love one another, we need to be patient. We need to be kind with each other. We, we need to demonstrate all of these things. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read all of this, you realize very quickly, I don't have that kind of love, God. And that's because we try to love with human love. And our human love has limitations, but the love of God has no limitations. Amen. This is a spiritual, godly love that we need to ask God to fill us with so that we can fulfill our mission through the vehicle, through the lens of love, where we are demonstrating all these incredible attributes, character traits of love, of of patience and kindness, and we're not jealous or proud. We're certainly not rude, and, and we are rejoicing with people and blessing people, and we're not ever giving up on anybody regardless of how many times they fall and fail, which we all fall and fail. We never lose faith. We're always hopeful. And we endure. That, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, should be the description of every house of God. Are you with me so far? Do you see how... When we have this kind of atmosphere, people who come in who are searching for truth, people who come in who are hurting, when they come into an atmosphere where there's this genuine love, where there's this genuine desire and care for somebody else's well-being, what that simply means is when I come to church, the focus should never be on me. It should be on meeting the needs of others. That's what love is all about. Love isn't... uh, is somebody meeting my need. Love isn't focused on itself. Love is always focused on others and saying, I want to come to church and be used by God today to somehow, some way, be a blessing to demonstrate the love of God. Amen. So now, let's look at now something else. Because this year, more than ever before in our history, I believe that it's not only crucial that when people enter within the atmosphere of a church that the love of God is evident, is tangible, can be sensed in in so many ways. I also believe that in order to fulfill our mission today, the church of God needs to be loving externally outside these doors. Let's go a little bit deeper. Matthew chapter 5. Listen, again, these are the words of Jesus. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your what? Enemies. Enemies. Pray for those who persecute you in that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So now, Jesus now begins to elevate something. He said, you know the law. The law is talk about love your neighbor, meeting your fellow brothers and sisters, and then hate your enemies. But I'm telling you, I want you to love your enemies. And I want you to pray for them. Now this prayer when Jesus say, pray for your enemy doesn't mean you pray God get them and, make, and condemn them to hell. That's not, that's not what Jesus, the kind of prayer Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about pray a blessing over your enemy's life. Pray that God would move in such a way so as to bless them and to move in their hearts so that one day they may no longer be an enemy but a fellow brother or sister. Now, remember, Jesus was saying this to his followers in the day and age where Israel was under the Roman oppression and Rome and Romans were considered their enemies and they hated the Romans for it. And here comes Jesus and saying, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to bless them. Because, remember, you are a representative of me on this earth. You're my followers, and love is the distinguishing mark that identifies you as the people of God. So if you love only those who love you, what, what's that? Any, everybody does that. Even Jesus said, even the tax collectors. Now, the tax collectors in the minds of the Hebrew were the worst of all sinners. There was nobody more sinful than a tax collector. And Jesus to say, even tax collectors know how to love people who love them. So you're no different than them. You're not distinguishing. You're not separating yourself when you do that. But when you love your enemy, when you bless those who persecute you, now you demonstrate that you are children of your heavenly Father. Because does not he bless those that curse his name? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus used the agricultural term. Doesn't he cause the sun to shine on the just and the unjust? On, on the righteous and the one that curses his name? The farmer that, that, that uh, uses all four letter words when it comes to the name of God, that hates God, he still farms and, and God sends rain on his land to bless him. He said, So when you bless your enemy, when you love your enemy, You are demonstrating the very character of God who is love. And I say, I stressed earlier that this is so crucial in the day and age that we live in because I'm sure you'll agree with me. Man, we are living in a day where hate is growing more and more where we are seeing it demonstrated over and over again, people hating this one and hating that one and hating this one because of their religion and hating this one because of their culture or hating this one because uh, they're they're Democrats and then this one hating this one because he's a Republican and and everybody is hating. And unfortunately, even God's people are using social media these days to express not love but hatred. And I believe that God wants to use us to make a difference in this world. And in order to do that, brothers and sisters, the vehicle is love. The vehicle is love. Worship team, if you would please come to help me. 2020, this is the year of seeing clearly. Where we want God to help us to see spiritually, to fully understand His purpose for our life and how we can accomplish that purpose. And we're talking today about this cultivation of love. Where, notice, I haven't even talked about the love that should be cultivated in our home because that's a given. But beginning here in the house of God, how we need to demonstrate through deeds, through our actions, that we love people. And you know what? As we pray, God will show you. This will be a year where if you ask God, God, show me how to love. Show me who to love and how to love them, oh God. Everyone uh, receives love in different fashions, in different ways. And I believe the Holy Spirit can show that to you and I so that collectively together, we can meet each other's need because everybody needs to be loved. And we can do that with the Holy Spirit helping us. But not limiting it to these four walls. Going out into the marketplace, in our schools, in our communities, in our jobs. And that one who right now irritates you is the one that we should pray, God, give me a love for that person. I want you to stand with me, please. One last verse, and then we'll sing a song and close in a word of prayer. In First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. That's going to be how we're going to close in prayer. Worship team, would you help us? I'm gonna ask you to do something that we often do on a Wednesday night. I'm gonna ask you to join hands right across the aisle. So just work toward the middle here, on that side and on this side. The holding of the hands is just symbolic for us being unified in this prayer as we close. That we would fulfill the command of our Lord Jesus Christ to love one another. That church wouldn't be a place that we would come to for an hour and a half and just uh, come in and come out and not, never really build relationships with anybody, never know anybody. But that we would realize we have been made part of the family of God. That person whose hands you're holding is your brother or your sister in Christ. And God needs to do a work in all of our hearts. I'll confess to you today, I need a fresh baptism of God's love. That kind of love that is gentle and patient and kind, that doesn't get irritable, And I believe you understand that, and you're with me on that. So let's pray, Father. We come before you this morning. We have gone through your Word, and we we have highlighted all of these places in the Bible where it it, it commands us to love. But it's it's such a high love, it's such a godly love that we confess to you, we fall short of the mark so many times. More often than not, we're just like those that don't walk in your ways. We love those who love us. But God, you want us to be different. You want us to be a people that recognize through the blood of your son, Father, you have made us a family. And in this house, there should be an atmosphere where all sense the love of God through us. And so that's what I pray for. God, would you baptize us all a fresh in anew in your love but not just that we that you love us but uh, give us the kind of love oh god that will enable us to see clearly oh god how we can love one another in so many practical ways oh god how we can demonstrate this love oh god do that tremendously in every heart and life in this house we pray oh god we want people who walk into this building for the first time to immediately sense that they are welcomed, they are loved just how they are God and I pray Father that we would carry this love beyond these four walls God that we would love those that right now are so difficult to love you would help us, oh God, to express that love the right way, oh God. Help us to use social media to build up and not to tear down. To express love and not hate God. I pray, Father, that your love would so fill our hearts, oh God, that we would give ourselves over to praying for our enemies. Praying for those that currently right now don't like us and want to see us... uh, uh, live a life that's not blessed by you God we want to be a people that are like our heavenly father so bless us we pray and fill us with your spirit so that as we fulfill our mission we can fulfill it through acts of love and in this wise your name would be glorified and we thank you for it even now in the precious name of jesus and all god's people said Amen. amen and amen now you can let go of that hand and applaud the lord with me